Welcome back to the I Wish You Knew podcast. My name is Sarah Dawn, and I am joined by my friend Adam Lane Smith, and we welcome Elise Michaels to the podcast today. This episode is brought to you by Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply. Elise, thank you for joining us today. Can you please tell the audience one thing that you wish they knew about the field where you work? Well, uh, I work with men's mental health, so I wish that a lot of people understood men actually do have the capability to be empathetic and vulnerable and that it's not a weakness, but something that both men and women have the ability to have. Mm, I love that answer. I've, so I've been in the masculine circles online and in men's space for about 12 years now. And I was a licensed psychotherapist for many, many years. And I helped a lot of men with trauma and issues like that. And one thing that I like about both of you is that your work is very authentic. There's been a lot of women who've come into this space. Usually you can pick them out because they start off in bikinis or they start off like something crazy. And, and you can tell that they don't care, right? They're here to milk men, make them feel loved and cared about. And then they start pitching all these things. And it's one reason that I started working with you, Sarah, was you were very much the opposite of that. You took care of the men who were in your audience and you actually gave them tips that would help them. And at least I ran across some of your content just this morning, which was fascinating. And you said, look, I have all of these resources available for you and I want you to get help. If you need a fast track, I've got these other pieces, but I am here to help you. And that was that was so encouraging to see women being authentic in that space for helping men. So what is one thing that has really touched your heart about men that you've worked with or one issue that you see over and over again? Well, I appreciate that, first of all. Thank you. Um, I'm sure just like Sarah, I built my business off of being honest, being authentic, because I feel like a lot of people just need that, just genu genuine care. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that repeat as far as men's mental health go, but I see a lot of men usually struggle with relationships and just connection because they're taught, ignore your emotions, yeah. ignore how you feel, ignore your intuition, basically. Yeah. And so when it comes to connecting with a female or people in general, they tend to just ignore any emotional connection and strive for the surface level connection. One of the things that I really, really resonated with your content, and actually um, a lot of our followers are very similar. So when, you know, when we are both sharing different things, the biggest thing that really, that you, that the hit is the mother-father wounds that you that you talk about a lot with men. So what is the, something that a man can do to even recognize that he has these wounds potentially, whether it's a father wound or a mother wound, like how does that start to show up in his life? Does it affect his professional career? Does it affect the type of women that he picks? You know, when you're kind of first seeing a man and or, or coaching a man, what are some questions that you ask to understand where he's coming from? Yeah, that's such a fantastic question. It's actually really ironic. I've found the deepest mother and father wounds actually usually show up with the most business and professionally successful men. Yeah. And you wouldn't naturally think that because you're like, oh, they're doing very well to the outside world. They've got a lot of accolades. They have a lot of material possessions, but they don't have the internal fulfillment. They don't know how to be vulnerable. They have rocky marriages, you know, and it's all behind the scenes. So men usually know when there's something missing, but they never usually attribute it to mom or dad a lot of times because society also tells us, you know, we, we don't want to be in the victim mentality, right? So we're like, we all grow up with what we know as far as parents. 
And a lot of us don't know that maybe neglect is also something that impacts us or, you know, working hard, but like not being emotionally available. A lot of men have father wounds because their fathers just weren't there. Um, so it can show up in a, in a lot of different ways, but surprisingly a lot amongst working professionals. Now, do you see that they typically will, you know, kind of overcorrect and go the opposite direction? Do they have a healthy relationship with masculinity or do they go on the opposite and, and marry typically a very, you know, more masculine woman or more controlling woman? Like, how do you see these patterns showing up? It's different. I actually think by by personality type, there will be hyper independent men who don't rely on anyone or anything, and they tend to be more avoidant. Uh, I find so they will tend to attract more anxious women, um, more toxic relationships where they're just relying on him for everything and he he just can't connect, he can't fulfill that need. But there are also men who act as the nice guy and they overcompensate as far as like trying to be emotional, trying to be very supportive. But what they're doing is they're actually becoming codependent and then they they kind of, they become the white knight and they rescue this female from you know her toxic life and her inability to take care of herself because it provides some type of fulfillment for them in their masculinity. That is mm. so true. I have a so I, I I coach a lot of male executives and that avoidant type being at the top, it keeps to some extent it allows them to focus right because money and power and that prestige it makes them feel safe. It gives them something to focus on. They get that fix of I've achieved this and this but there's so much emptiness once they hit their 40s or their 50s or 60s because they haven't connected authentically. And what I've noticed is a lot of them at that point, everything starts to just, it's like food tastes like ashes. Nothing is enjoyable to them anymore. And they know there's got to be something else out there, but they can't envision what it is because they've never experienced it in their life. Do you have any tactics that you use to help men understand that and break through that? Because that piece I've noticed is so hard. If they can't visualize what love is, right? How do you help them figure out that out? I'd love to talk shop with you on this. I mean, there's there's so many different ways, but you know, working with trauma, you have to start off with nervous system regulation, mm -hmm. understanding how the body is responding to its environment, getting them to understand how to feel safe because the brain and the body are different. And so the body has its own kind of brain. And if you're not understanding how your body memorizes certain situations and certain relationships, then you might react differently than what your brain is thinking. So you have to start recognizing your habits. You have to start recognizing the patterns. And once you do that, you can start breaking them to build new ones. Mm. But you tell me, you know, the presence of a mother, and I have a lot of men who experience mother wound, what mm. would you say is the impact of a mother on her child's life? Does that impact how they perceive love at all? Or Let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor today, Rugged Legacy, because guys, there is nothing better than a well-kept, well-groomed man. So if you want her to kiss you more without feeling like she's kissing sandpaper, this does the trick. Works 99.9% .9 of the time. Yes, that wound is immensely deep. A lot of men grew up either trying to caretake their mother's feelings, so they never want to be around a woman again because it's exhausting and they got no payoff from it, and it feels like a trap. Right, and a lot of these men become very avoidant. They got very little connection, very little oxytocin, if you want to go into the chemicals. And they bonded very poorly, so they don't want to walk into that again. Other men, their mom gave them the oxytocin and then backed off or gave them a drop, right? Inconsistent love. It seems worse than no love at all because it creates a junkie who's chasing it obsessively. You talked about men who are the nice guy. 
That's that junkie syndrome where they are just chasing it obsessively. I have plenty of coaching clients and executive men who come in and usually they run their own business because they can't be in the hierarchy anymore, right? The avoidant men, they go up the hierarchy with executive stuff. The anxious, nice guys or the disorganized type, the fearful avoidant, they have to do their own thing because they can't let anybody else have that power over them. They've distinguished that. But then they get a girlfriend and they give her everything, everything, and they get ruined over and over and over again. Sarah, what is, yeah, t talk to me a little bit about what you see with that, because I know that you see the same patterns we do. Same types of patterns. And what I find is that people think that they have to give up their identity to heal. So they feel as though they have to change. You know, they've become so, their identity and work, their identity and their relationships, the way that they have done things, especially I think men tend to get, you know, really attached to their work. They think it's a part of them. And so when I work with them, my goal is to teach them that you can still be healthy. You can still have that drive. Your drive isn't going to disappear, right? Like you can still be this amazing entrepreneur. You can have everything, but it, but it needs, needs to have a different, you need to have a different aspect. You need to have a different balance in your life and you can have it all, but it can be healthy. That is a great point because so many of the men who come to me, they say, Adam, you know, I got really strong doing these things. If I fix my attachment, am I going to get weak? Am I going to get soft? Is my productivity going to go down? How do you handle that? Do you see your coaching clients that they get weak and, and homeless and they live under a bridge, but they're really happy? What is it like when, when they actually fix that connection? I mean, they definitely don't get homeless. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, they, I, I was going to say to Sarah, I, they do have to change their identity though. Yeah. Um, but they're all afraid about losing their edge because our survival instincts give us a special set of skills that get us to the top, yeah. right? And so the, the thing is, once you're at the peak though, this is what I tell my clients, I'm like, the problem is you're hitting this midlife crisis, not because you're, you're running out of skills or whatever, or something's wrong with you. It's because you reached this peak that it took you decades to get to, and now you just can't use the same skill sets to get to a new peak that you've already had. So you do have to let go of some of these behavior patterns and some of these identities and some of these things that you've you know attached yourself to in order to get to the next level. But it doesn't make you weak, it just makes you different. Right, here's a piece I'd love to explore for the men in the audience because we just hit them with a the landmine that you can be at the peak financially and business-wise and you're not gonna be happy. It's not gonna bring you what you've been looking for your whole life. What does that look like when they are when they fix those problems, I call them the, the attachment problems. You call them mother wounds and father wounds. We all call them different things. We all mean the same thing. What does it look like for you, for the men who are watching this? Can you tell them this is what you're missing? This is what is on offer that you don't even know has been on offer this whole time. How can they visualize that? Well, like you said, uh, if it's not a felt experience, it's hard for people it to visualize. It's it kind of like everything that you thought the material objects would get you, that the awards would get you. That's what you feel when you're at the peak of actually knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of men spend their life crafting an identity of what other people expect of mm -hmm. them in order to be a man in the eyes of society. So when they become a man in the eyes of themselves, mm -hmm. it's this power in this presence, like they can do anything. And suddenly 
people are respecting them more. Suddenly they enjoy the little things more. Yes. Suddenly their kids are actually listening to them and want to spend time with them and are actually a lot calmer because when you change, everything changes. So it's not like we uh, address all these symptoms. I call them everything you're complaining about, your anxiety or you can't sleep at night. Usually they wake up in the middle of the night, their stomach's hurting, their mind is racing. All these things are just symptoms. I don't address any of those. I address how to get back to your steady state of presence and consciousness and when you do that all the rest aligns for you now i'm wondering if there are women who are watching and they see this and they experience men who struggle with some of the things that you teach men with right how do they adapt how do they bring this up how do they because i'm sure they also have to change with the relationship um, once, yeah, that, that could be a huge problem if they've been used to 20, 30 years, or if they're dating, you know, the dopamine hits aren't there, the chemistry changes, your traction changes when you heal yourself. So I really wonder from both of you, how does the woman respond to these things? Could, could it potentially blow up, mm -hmm. which I do see sometimes, or do you invite the woman to along the journey with you? wants to go first <laughs> i'd love to hear your take on it i do have an answer that i'll come back with afterward and if we disagree that's okay but I'd, lo I'd love to hear your take on it first i mean when i'm working with men usually my clients are actually married um or you know just kind of getting out of a relationship but it's usually either you stay together and you get stronger or you end up divorcing because when somebody becomes so you like a relationship is a container and when you get together there's rules of that container just based on your previous experiences and your behavior patterns and stuff that people get used to so if someone drastically changes and the other person is not willing to change it breaks the container mm. and sometimes it's not reasonable to expect your partner to change and do every single thing that you're doing because they didn't agree to that when they first initially got with you right mm. they had certain expectations and rules that you agreed to initially um, but if it's if it's a cohesive relationship and it's a partnership then ideally your partner's going to grow with you and maybe not do exactly everything that you're doing, but work with you to develop a new identity for themselves as well, where you guys get stronger together. Uh -huh. um, or else, yeah, it breaks because the rules are different now. That's very true. I tell, and men ask me this, interestingly, I don't, know if, I don't know if you ladies get this when men come to you for coaching, but all the time I get, okay, Adam, if I fix this, what's my wife gonna do? I get this all <laughs> the time, right? Like, how is she gonna react to me? And I tell them this interesting t statistic is, the research shows that when a man converts to a new religion, fully new religion, 97% of the time his wife will convert to that religion with him. But here's the point, is converting to a whole religion, that's almost what you're doing here. It's a life experience. It's a, it's a life approach. It's a religion approach, almost to your feelings, your thoughts, and, and how you connect other human beings. So here's something interesting. The only times I have seen marriages crack apart when they fix the attachment was two times. Two, two, two issues, right? Number one, when the wife has a personality disorder, right? Mm -hmm. I had a gentleman come to me. He was top of top of his business. They had an $8 million prenup in place. And he came to me and said, Adam, I don't know if this is fixable. I need you to give me an absolute yes or no if this is fixable. So we sat down. We did a full assessment. We discussed everything. There were so many red flags for a potential personality disorder. Didn't diagnose, but so many red flags. And I said, okay, let's give some tests. Let's, let's, let's see how she responds when you try this and this and this. And the explosions were out of control. So we could say, 
It almost certainly absolutely will not work. Rest, rest assured that this was not something you could have saved. And he was so at peace with that answer. That was what he needed. The other time, though, is when men have spent 20 years burning their wife out, right? I'm going to change and then go back. I'm going to change mm -hmm. and then go back, right? I call it the, the three-week wave. I'm going to change one mm -hmm. week and then two weeks and then three weeks, you're back to normal, right? That right there, if you have burned her out that bad where she is, she feels nothing for you and you're dead to her, or if she has a personality disorder. Anything else, you can come back from. That's what I have seen. Mm -hmm. Right, when it gets to the point of apathy, everything is gone. And, and that's something that's really sad for men, I think, is we have conditioned them not to feel and not to be intuitive and almost to kind of like minimize small problems. Like I compare it to like a Jenga game where like, as long as men see the structure still stable, they think everything is good. But women account for like the little pieces and every time a little piece is out, they're seeing it get more and more mm -hmm. unstable. So then when another little mistake is made and the thing comes crashing down, men are like, oh my God, like, why didn't you tell me? Or mm -hmm. you should have communicated this differently. And the woman is like, I communicated this for like five years. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's, I would love, love, love to encourage men to just learn more about themselves and their own vulnerability simply because, you know, if a woman loves you, she's communicating to you all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a little bit sad because by the time he recognizes, usually it's too late. Mm. What's one communication that your male clients miss all the time? Cause there's guys at home right now saying, Oh, am I, am I missing it? What's one or a couple tactics that, that women use or that I'll pitch that to both of you. Mm -hmm. Cause you're both women. I don't know if I can present a, a tactic like you might be able to, but um, you know, men are just so logical and straightforward. So mm -hmm. men will take things just as they are. Mm -hmm. And women are more about concepts and ideas. And so it's not like they're trying to get you to read your mind all to some women are definitely like that. Like you should read my mind. You should know what I like. Sure. Um, but I think men, if they could understand, sometimes it's more about the effort or the understanding or just mm -hmm. like during um, conversations, they don't need to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. If they just listen, like and be present, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes it just solves the problem themselves because ideally they're partnering with a capable woman who can solve her own problems. She doesn't, she might want your help, but she doesn't necessarily need it. So just being present is like good enough. I think men confuse vulnerability, right, with crying, with mm -hmm. weakness, with sharing all of this deep, dark, you know, intense feelings. And they're going to have those feelings just thrown back in their face. But sometimes it can just be as simple as, you know, Sarah or Elise, like, I don't really have the words for this. Maybe you can help me understand what I potentially am feeling or, you know, just kind of let's work through this problem together and let me share with you what what it is that I'm where I'm kind of where I'm feeling at my body or what's happening for me Because a lot of that is a beautiful thing. And I think if women heard men speak that way without, you know, that that directness, but sometimes, of course, I think women talk to women or women talk to men like women and men talk to women like men. So the shutdown happens before the conversation can even begin because we're, we're like two Rams. Now we're just, now we're just fighting for the power and the space and nobody's being heard. But I think if men understood, they have the power to, to be vulnerable, but it's, it's learning the difference between really vulnerability versus weakness versus asking for help versus I'm just going to kind of 
lay everything on you and then the woman's going, oh gosh, I don't know what to do with this because then she's potentially overwhelmed with trying to to mother or to nurture. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't absolutely. know if you have, have some feedback on that. Oh, absolutely. It's When I talk to men online, uh, if I ever say, hey guys, she wants vulnerability. They, men instantly picture themselves. Yeah. Target you. Yeah. Right. Well, they get, they get mad. <laughs> Liar. And scared. Women because, don't like that. Right. And, and here's what they imagine is walking in the front door, falling down on the, fro on the floor in front of her, crying as a <laughs> sobbing mess, right? <laughs> Sucking his thumb and saying, I don't feel good. And that's what they picture for vulnerability. And, and that's the worst possible way. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. Um, what, I, what I teach men is the four-step method for being solution-focused when you share. Right? There's a lot of tactics for being more solution-focused when you share about, here's what I'm sharing. Here's why I'm sharing it. Here's the feedback I'm looking for from you. Can you give me some feedback? Not make my decision for me. Like you said, don't be my mommy. But, you know, what do you think about this? What could we, how could I solve this? What's, what's an idea that I haven't thought of yet? Or even just, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about, but I'm sharing with you right now where I'm going at. So that when I have an angry face, an angry look later when I'm thinking about it, you know why I'm looking angry. That's why being solution focused in your sharing is really helpful for a lot of men. Do you have a tactic or, or, or any approach or advice from men out there who are afraid to be vulnerable because they think it's pathetic. Yeah, I mean, you have to know your audience, right? If you are someone who usually doesn't share and you've gravitated towards people who might not like you sharing, you might have chosen people who aren't going to support you. Yeah. So you have to kind of choose wisely to, you know, I always recommend having a therapist or a coach who can help you become acclimated to being vulnerable and how to structure it. Because I also think if we haven't done something, the pendulum swings to the complete and opposite end. Yeah. So just like when people are setting boundaries for the first time, it tends not to actually be a real boundary, but mm -hmm. it tends to be a bid for power or an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you have to kind of know your audience and then understand how to do it. And then, you know, when you're knowing your audience, it should be pretty easy. Yeah. And I was actually going to ask you, Sarah, yeah. you know, has there ever been a time where, you know, you've had to practice being vulnerable, like having a man be vulnerable with you? Or how did you gain that trust? Or... Was there a time where you didn't accept vulnerability from men oh, and you had to like learn that or work through it? Absolutely. Well, coming from somebody who has healed their own anxious attachment, it was terrifying because I didn't know how to hold space. And I think a lot of women don't know, you know, they'll either go into ultimate kind of fear, like I'm going to I got to run away from this because it's very overwhelming for a woman who has anxious attachment to because men's emotions can be overwhelming, but sometimes you don't even know how to regulate your own emotions. So like regulating yours and hers and in yourself, and it just becomes very overwhelming. So there was times when I just didn't realize just to just be quiet, just hold space and and have boundaries, right? And not let their emotions affect me and really not make it about what was happening. Really self-soothing, mm -hmm. like learning how to self-soothe yourself mm -hmm. so that you're not, they're, they're telling you, you know, their deepest, darkest secrets and then you're looking to them for emotional regulation and they're like, wait, 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 what's like, I need you to be kind of more, um, I wouldn't say in your masculine, but we trade roles oftentimes in relationships. You you can't always expect a man to just be in this unmovable, unemotional space. So, you know, okay, if it's a 70-30 split, that's great, that's fine. But when he does come to you as a woman who, 
who has healed herself and to the women that watch, those are the important times that you show him that you can be there, that you can hold space and that he is safe. And he, that loyal, the loyalty that you get from that man, once he sees that and once he feels that from you is like nothing, nothing will break that relationship because he, that is the ultimate trust, the ultimate loyalty, the ultimate support. You know, I, and I want to talk a little bit about, um, I'm just thinking over here uh, about my single men who I coach uh, because I, I see, we're talking a lot about couples, but what I see a lot of single men do is we have to kind of retrain them, myself, on what attraction like truly mm, is mm -hmm. and what chemistry is versus what intensity is mm -hmm. versus a lot of them go after these women like the chasing, like mm -hmm. the giving them the breadcrumbs or mm -hmm. they go after very beautiful women because they view them as potentially a bit of a status symbol. Like I have all this, right? I have all the money or I have all this, I have the height, I have, I deserve this type of beautiful woman. And kind of, I wonder what your perspective is if you have any single clients or of course Adam, you know, realigning them to what is truly good for them that a woman who kind of trauma dumps on the first date yeah. or they'll go on like eight hour first dates or they will be attracted to a certain type, but that type tends to have a personality disorder or they tend to have really highs mm -hmm. and really lows. And there's, they're, so a lot of my coaching with my single guys is really attuning to slowing down like let, let's slow down the dating process. Let's understand like what's happening within your nervous system. You know, are you dating based off of a values, a values exchange? Are you, do you have a plan for dating? Are you sleeping with them by date two? Because <laughs> oftentimes I see that they're, they typically will charge right into a physical intimate relationship or, you know, they'll come on super strong and a lot of secure women will get turned off by that. Mm. that. That feels like love bombing, that feels like intensity and it feels very chaotic for a secure woman. So they always end up attracting women who are typically a little bit more anxious and a little bit more detached from themselves. And then that's when the cycle begins. And of mm. course, then 20 years later, they're stuck in a marriage where these things are exploding. And so for me, I'm kind of the, um, the coach that's preemptive of all that. Like, let's, let's try and prevent this. Or they've mm. gone through a divorce and they've seen you and then they've broken up and now they're single again. And it's, it's perfect. I'm like, oh, we have a clean slate. And now we know, now we have to kind of change our paradigm of what is a healthy relationship because that intensity and that chemistry is typically confused for that intermittent mm -hmm. love. So I don't know, Adam, if you or Elise have, have tools that you provide for single men. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I, I love how you brought up the visual aspect because men are very visual creatures. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody is a visual creature. You have to be attracted to the person, but it's, I think it's actually, maybe you can back me up on that, that men do um, value looks much higher than women do usually. And they will sit through the trauma dump dinner if she's really hot. <laughs> they will sit through any kind of crazy if she's really hot. It's like, it's like being hot like makes up for it. But it's like, unfortunately, there are a lot of women who understand this about men are the women who take advantage of men like that. So they spend the money on the cosmetics and the surgery and they're the avoidant cold women who are just on a mission to have a contract, to have a baby, to have a, a lifestyle, right? 
So when a man is more focused on his initial biological attraction, as opposed to the value system, like you'd mentioned, um, it can lead him astray because then she's, of course she wants to be physical. Of course she, yeah. she's touching on all of these things that are getting him addicted. Mm -hmm. Like you said, the dopamine hits, she knows exactly what to say. She knows exactly how to look. She, she's the status symbol. She's coddling him until she gets exactly what she wants. But, and then she's cold because there was no actual attraction. There was no value system. There was no foundational relationship. So whenever I'm with my men, if they're single, I always say, okay, what, what are our core values? And what are we actually looking for in a relationship? Do you actually want a wife right now? Maybe you just want to have fun. Maybe you just want to date. But if you want to be married, then you have to be in husband mode, which means you have to act like a man who wants to get married, right. not a man who's par being party boy. Right. And I asked them too, what does attraction really mean to you? Mm. What is that? Break that down, right? Because oftentimes, just in general, I think women and men, they, they come up with characteristics but they also rely on just, well, it's just a feeling. It's mm -hmm. just chemistry. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to untangle that feeling because that feeling could potentially be a trauma bond or something that goes way back yeah. that you don't even know that you're experiencing. You're like, I just have these butterflies when I'm around them. I'm like, oh, you mean that anxiety that you feel yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. not giving you attention or when they're on the date saying exactly the right things that you want to hear? What a lot of men here are experiencing when they're single is the closer they get to other people, the more scared or the more it hurts. It's called hedgehog's dilemma, right? The hedgehogs, two hedgehogs, they're spiky. And their dilemma is that they want to be close and they want to snuggle, but their spikes can hurt. So the closer hedgehogs become to other hedgehogs, the more it hurts them. And this is the same among humans who don't have the skills to try to prevent that hurt, to try to retract your quills, as it were, to try to shield yourself and shield the other person. So everybody watching the show knows I have a lot of kids. Um, my daughter, my sec my first daughter, she loves hedgehogs. It's one of her favorite animal in the entire world. And she has a book right now called Hedgehogs, where they want to hug. And they, they want so badly to hug, Horace and Hattie. And, and the whole book is them trying all these different things to cover their quills with strawberries, but it's too sticky, with snow, but it's too cold, and all these different things they cover their quills with. And it doesn't work. Until at the very end, they find a laundry line with socks and they nibble a hole in the sock and they wear these big fluffy socks and they are so comfortable both, they're comfortable in their sock, but they also, when they hug, there's no pain and they can hug each other. So every time they want to hug, they steal somebody's socks and ruin those socks and they wear them as a little hug. So it's the hedgehog. And this, this is what we're talking about here is teaching single men to find your, your sock, as it were, to be able to hug other hedgehogs where there's no pain at all. So to your point, right, and, and to your point, what is attraction and how do you shift that? There's three types of attraction chemistry. One is primal chemistry. One is you are my type, right? Guys have a type. For me, surprise, surprise, the first four girls I dated all had red hair. My wife, red hair. Both my daughters, red hair, right? It's, it, my type was red hair. Guys have a type. And it could go back to Carl Jung and the anima. It could be your mom. There's all kinds of stuff. But you have a physical type. You also have, the, right, the, the type is more than just physical. It's, it's how she presents, how she dresses, how she looks, how she holds herself. There's all kinds of type. Primal chemistry. You should never date off of primal chemistry. It needs to be, you know, 50, 60% your type. Don't be the opposite. But next is personal chemistry, right? First date, can you talk? Can you laugh? Can you share things? Do you have similar ideas, similar conspiracy theories, similar religions, similar things that will keep you together and help build great conversations? But 
Number three is attachment chemistry. And it needs to be at least 80% fixed where you guys can work together. Attachment chemistry is the sock. It's the hedgehog piece. It's we can retract our quills and love each other fully and completely. Yes. And that's what I don't see so many dating coaches teaching. And it's so maddening because I will open up my feed and I will see the three, t the three things to do on a date, mm. the four things to do on this, the five red flags, the da, 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 da. But I don't necessarily think that you really need that information because I feel like that's just more strategy. And I think once you heal all of this, right, when you get in touch with your nervous system, when you heal your attachment, when you're present with the other person, when you understand your values, I just wish that there were more people doing what you're doing. There were, there were more people talking about this because I feel men are, they're very good at strategy, right? Like a lot of these successful men, they're like, okay, if I just do this, then I can fix this. Or if I just do this, then I can get the relationship. And so they think it's like, okay, I'm going to follow this person and they're going to give me this one piece of content and it's going to make all the difference. But what I found in, in my own personal journey was once you heal all of this, once you understand like how your patterns are presenting in relationships, you don't, you just show up authentically. You don't take anything personally. You understand that, hey, if it's not a good fit, there's nothing that I did. There's nothing that you did. It just becomes, dating becomes fun again. And I think I see so many people get burnt out, you know, really in relationships, they get burnt out in dating. They get burnt out because they are, the, the strategies that other people are giving them work for a very short-term purpose. They do not work long-term to to heal and so they're they're gonna they continue the cycles they'll date for two or three months they'll date for six months maybe sometimes even a year and then again it all kind of crumbles so i'd be interested to hear you know what are some things that that you could kind of give some tools both of you right when you're going out and you're dating or when you're you're trying to find a relationship for for men in particular how do they get rid of all the noise and like show up as they are? M meanwhile, they have to have, you know, the grooming products and get a potentially a new, you know, some couple shirts to wear, some good pair right. of jeans. Shout out to Rugged Legacy. I was going to say sponsored. Yeah, that's right. Sponsored by Rugged Legacy. <laughs> Breaking um, the fourth wall. You know, but why, why hire a coach that is going to kind of dig a little bit deeper? Because sometimes I think men are too, are they're a little afraid, right? It's like they don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about my childhood. Like I just want, I just want a coach who's going to tell me what to do. How do we get through to those men not to be scared that this is the path to take versus potentially hiring somebody else mm -hmm. who's just going to give them a Band-Aid? Yeah. Right. Well, I think with what you said, uh, a lot of men don't understand that it correlates, right? They, they think childhood and dating is like completely separate. <laughs> so so they, they want the strategy. So like, I don't necessarily know if I would hate on those coaches because just like we have to, you have to have certain content that gets people's attention to then dive deeper. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, you have to kind of latch onto what people know and they're comfortable with. So then they can start to understand, oh, there might be something behind this. But I think dating nowadays has become really gamified. You know, with the dating apps, it's like a game. It's like, how many swipes can I get? It's the dopamine rush. It's the validation. It's like not based upon any core values. It's like, how validated can I be in this yes. arena? And so coaches are teaching how to be validated in the arena and how to win the game of yeah. dating as opposed to how to actually address the core values of relationship. 
the family unit. And I think as a society, we're going away from the family unit. You have a really good family unit, like, we, you know, like a, a strong example of how, you know, America was like truly founded is like you try to be a family unit, you have the life of the children and, you know, even individual roles. And I think we're just driven so far away from that. Everybody's being so independent. We don't want to rely on anyone. So now it's so opposite of codependency. It's hyper independency. And even if we're in a relationship uh, I don't need to get married. I don't need to have children. I don't need to rely. Well, why are you even in a relationship then? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like so far beyond, um, you know, even relationship coaching. It's like they're just how do I win the game of validating myself? And I loved this when I, I checked some of your materials because <laughs> I did my homework on you. I have. I, I need to know if women are real or fake when they're helping men. And and you came across so authentic. I loved People can book what's called a clarity call with you. I love that because you're not, that's, that's one, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is the real thing because you're not like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to get chicks and I'm going to teach you how to make them sleep with you on the first date. It's no, you work with me and we will get clarity in that first call. What do you do in a first call that brings clarity? How do you bring that, that light bulb moment of it's not about racking up 50 people on your body count in the next week. It's about how do you get them to do that? Right. So, I mean, usually when uh, men come to me, like you said, they they watch a lot of my content, so they kind of know what they're getting into. So it's always asking, you know, what's going on in your life? What do you want to change? Where do you want to get to? And then I ask them, you know, what was it like growing up? What was your relationship with your parents? I'm like, not to get too therapisty, but I, we just want to see the pattern. So it's, it's not we're casting judgment. We're not playing the victim, but we want to see what you've gotten used to when it comes to love, what you've gotten used to when it comes to success or validation. Do we want to keep this or do we not? So then in that session, we're kind of building this roadmap of they're like, oh, that's why I do X, Y, Z. That's why I'm attracted to X, Y, Z. That's why I'm always burnt out. And then when you figure out why you're always burnt out, you can start to say, okay, now we do this instead. Yeah. Now we do this instead. So we deconstruct the Lego set and we build something new from it. That's awesome. Sounds yeah. like you and I are the same in those first <laughs> sessions, deep assessment. Is that something you do as well? I bet it is within that first session. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a, a trust component, obviously, that needs to be built mm-hmm. between, you know, just as anyone you're just first meeting. It's like... I try and share a little bit of my own story, my own journey, my own growth with them. And then that way they kind of, yeah, they feel a little bit more comfortable talking about some of the patterns and and you can typically, they typically come to it on their own, right? I'm just a guide. I'm just a, a conduit for, okay, so we've seen these types of, we've seen these types of patterns that have been enacting out in your relationships or, or in your life in general. Um, is that really serving you, right? Like, what is the payoff for that? And at that point, typically, I always say that pain, pain, frustration, um, hopelessness is a great conduit for change. So seeing that they're, they typically, when they come to me, they're at their wits end. They've tried everything and they just, they just want the answers. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really starting out, identifying the patterns first, Mm. going backwards, understanding what they're not getting out of life and and where they could be and how much more peaceful, non-chaotic, productive, you know, because when you're not thinking about your relationships all the time and when you're not in your head all the time and when you're you're in a healed place, life, you, you can even 10X your business sometimes. Like you can 10X your dating results. You can 
because it doesn't burn you out so much because you're not internalizing it. So really showing them the path forward and where they could be is very exhilarating to people and, and to my clients. And it's really fun to see them. I love getting the calls, whether I'm having the best sex of my life, like I'm in the best relationship I've ever been in. I'm like, yes, we did it. And that that doesn't have to involve going back and digging up the deepest traumas of your life. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's just understanding how do we rewire? How do we rewire the patterns? And it happens pretty quickly. Isn't that great when the men yeah. are, you see them growing, you teach them emotional intimacy, it makes sense. They go apply the skills, they start getting changes. One of my favorite experiences was when my married clients come in and they pop onto the video chat and their wife is there. And I say, oh, hello. And he says, this is my wife. She wanted to meet you. And she says, I just wanted to thank you for teaching him how to talk with me. And our marriage is so much better. And we're so happy together. And I, I was afraid he would never get it. And they're so happy. Do you have moments like that? Do you have male clients or they bring in their wife or the guys are just pumped? What are, what are some good stories where the guys, so the guys watching can visualize what would it feel like if I fixed these problems? Yeah, oh my God, it's it's really is the best feeling ever, right? Um, like, and I think that's the true joy as like a therapist or a coach is when they get the win. Yeah. That's like what I'm in it for. I'm like, I just wanna see you succeed beyond your expectations. Cause usually when someone comes to you, they have expectations right here when they, when you know they're gonna end up here, yep. right? So once they start to feel that, and like even like two weeks, once you've taught them how to regulate their nervous system, then all of a sudden the mind is no longer racing. They're so focused. They're like, yeah, I'm actually able to be present when I go home and I'm spending more time with my kids. And yeah. my wife even told me that I'm acting different. Yeah. And I'm like, oh good, she noticed it. Like, yeah, she really mentioned something mm -hmm. about it. And you're like, so you're so stoked because you know, what was at the edge of someone feeling so empty and so unfulfilled, they're like, yeah, now my business is actually growing again and I'm feeling more invested simply because, you know, they're just becoming more in tune with who they are and what they actually want and giving back to themselves. A lot of men think that in order to heal, they have to do more, do more for everybody else or add more onto their plate. And when I have them as clients, I'm usually like, it's not necessarily doing more. We have to cut things out. And then we do more things that you enjoy because usually you're drained because you're just not enjoying your life mm -hmm. and you're doing a lot of things for other people that maybe they didn't even ask, yeah. open door policy. So just having strategic time for you can improve your life so much. Yeah. Imagine if you got 90% of your mental energy back because you're not worrying, right. you're not guessing, you're not lonely, and then you also feel fulfilled and content with your life on top of that. Like that's the change when you build that emotional intimacy in your relationships. Where do you think society is placing pressures on men, right? I mean, I know we, we can, I can talk about that in a lot of different ways because I have been raised by a lot of men in my life. And I feel that society is potentially doing men kind of dirty right now. Um, how do you integrate that i know you talk you know you integrate that into your content but also i feel that men they feel like they have to give up some of their masculinity too right in mm -hmm. order to be more present or they feel as though society will will banish them if they get in touch with their emotions but what do you think society is is doing to men right now just in general 
Yeah, I feel quite bad, actually, for men, like, growing up right now. I mean, a lot of my clients are already married. They've kind of, you know, they're already in relationships, so they grew up in a different generation where a lot of expectation for men was to be the breadwinner and provider, but there was a role. The woman was the homemaker. But now it's kind of like they're expected not only to be the breadwinner, but... And I, I'm all for feminism, but the feminist movement has gone so far that it's almost like man bashing, mm -hmm. like women aren't sh or men aren't shit, and yeah. you know, like, and and it's just really hard. So they feel like they can't win. They feel like if they open a door for someone, it's stepping across boundaries. If they even like, you know, look to the left in the gym, they're going to be called out for harassment. It's mm -hmm. it's so intense that men just feel like they can't talk to anybody they can't make connections and it's really hard because a lot of women actually would like it if a man came up to them as far as relationships go because nobody wants this online dating stuff but there's so many women who are also so aggressive like don't talk to me don't look at me that you know men are just like whatever for women altogether what do you see How, oh my gosh. where do you see men are you resonating with this and, what and I'm do saying? you think yeah i mean i have my own theories on the feminist movement in, in general, um, I often just find it to be a container for women who typically didn't have fathers or didn't have, have some daddy issues themselves um, and don't know how to trust mm. masculinity and find it to be abrasive because yeah. they can't differentiate between potential healthy masculinity versus this this mm -hmm. toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. They find they they get confused, they blur the lines, yeah. so everything just becomes toxic. Yeah. So I wonder what your perspective oh, on that is. Oh guys, before I walk on set, I make sure that I look good. And the number one way I do that is by using rugged legacy beard balm. This takes care of everything and holds it in place and gives it a nice shine. If you wondered why I have five kids, this stuff helped. So if you want to have five kids and if you want to look good and your best days, make sure you pick up some of this stuff right now. Listen, I, I grew up in California, right? I remember being 10 years old and my dad teaching me, hold doors for women, it's polite. And I remember at 10 years old, I held a door for a woman. The first time I ever was gonna get to, oh, I get to do this, like, as my dad always did it. And at 10 years old, I held a door and this woman walked through and screamed at me for being an oppressor and a chauvinist pig. I'll never forget, I was 10 years old. And if I had stopped there, and taken that response to indicate this is how women really feel, I would have been traumatized and never spoken to a woman again. And there's a lot of guys in our society who have been burned by women who've hurt them. There's guys who grew up with, with difficult mothers. There's guys who have been injured by women in dating, right? Tons of my male clients come to me and say, I've only had one serious girlfriend. It was so awful, I'm scared to ever connect again. A lot of guys get burned. Um, the truth, the painful truth, is that as as families have broken up over the last several, several, several decades, right? A lot of women have had to step into more masculine roles to protect their family. Fathers have failed them. They, they left, they abandoned them. They didn't do their job. There was a lack of masculinity in men and the accountability. And the women, the, are your grandmothers, had to step forward and be the men and protect the family. And so they raised their daughters. Don't ever trust men, have a career. Men should come last, they will hurt you. So then there's another generation of women growing up that way. And now it's don't trust men, they'll hurt you physically, they'll, they'll do terrible things to you, they're disappointments. And we look around at the men now who are scared to be masculine and they're afraid to step into their masculine because it's like, if I do that, that woman will scream at me, right? And it's me at 10 years old, like women will scream at you if you hold a door. I think the answer here is for men to stop caring 
mm. a little bit what women think as much, not disregard it, but stop being so afraid that women are going to scream at you. Mm. Be you. Be masculine because it's who you are. Be masculine because that's your best expression of self. And when you do that, you free the good women, who I honestly think are the majority of women in the world, who want to be feminine and they want to give you that love and care, but they cannot until someone else is providing that masculinity and then they can trust you. So that's my answer. What do you think about that? I think too, let's go back to like single men. There are certain cues that you can look out for you know, from a woman. And I don't think it necessarily has to be like, oh, she has a, she had wounded father. <laughs> like she did grow up without a father. She's damaged goods. I'm like, no, that's not actually necessarily true. I think that women have done, can do a lot of healing. And some of those women can be the most loyal woman that you will ever meet. But is she appreciative if you pay for the bill? Does she say thank you when you open the door? Like, is she, well, if she's drenched in a bunch of designer bags, like there's a difference between a gold digger who's just using you for your money and like telling you what you want to hear. Is it coming from an authentic place? Like, how is this woman showing up and recognizing these little tiny cues? Like, does she appreciate your masculinity? Does she, you know, just by little tiny things. Um, and I think that once they start to see that, once they step into it, it's not that Certain women, of course, potentially killed chivalry, but a lot of them still 100% appreciate it. And if she embarrasses you in front of a group of people, if you walk up to her and you talk to her and she's, okay, fine, that's her problem, that's not yours. But sometimes they will, they have these limiting beliefs and these ideas in their head before they even go up to women that it's automatically going to go a certain way. Mm. And that I try and encourage them, that is, that's absolutely what's holding you back. Mm. You know, right. you have to break through that and not take it so personally. And the ones that that's, you want to get to that, you want to get to that rejection. You want to see those women very early on. And then you, then you can wipe your hands of them and go, go to the women that actually really appreciate that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, I completely agree because there's nothing embarrassing about being well-mannered. I think there's a difference between being masculine and just having good manners. And that's where we have to just go back to what is the type of man I want to become, right? What is the type of woman I want to become? And if that's your core values, like I'm going to open the door for people. I, I open the door for people, right? I'm going to be well-mannered because I want to be a respectable person. And you, if you let this idea of someone rejecting you because you're going to open the door for them, stop you from exhibiting your respect and manners. Well, then you're just doing a disservice to yourself because you don't feel good. And it's, it, you know, you miss an opportunity to just put good energy out into the world. So I think you, you can never look foolish by being well-mannered. Mm. That's, that's what I think. So Elise, if men are watching and they're at the point where they're ready to make a change. They are ready to potentially heal the relationship or get into a relationship. Where would you say is the first place to start? What's the first step for them to start transforming their life? Always self-work, you know, um, worry less about the other person and what you can do to impress them and just worry more about how stable am I? What am I looking for? What are my expectations? Because when you have all that on the table, it's so easy, like you said, to eliminate certain people and to really align. You know, a lot of people are looking for their perfect partner in all the wrong places. They go to bars or they go to 
places that they just don't like. They don't like the activities. Their friends just told them to go there. But when you're so aligned and you just start doing things you love, you just start meeting people you love and it just gets a lot easier. So I say really invest in a life you love. That sounds so cliche, but like really it's like the easiest way because then you really do start connecting with people who are very similar in their goals and their mindsets. Well, it makes sense because if you're going to invite a woman into your life, you don't want to be similar. Right. You, you want to have something. You don't want to have the apartment that's a lawn chair and a TV and an Xbox on the floor. Have a life that's full and rich, right? <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that guys sometimes think that they're wait, they might be waiting for a woman to bring that into their mm. life versus doing that themselves like well when i meet someone then she's mm -hmm. going to want to decorate or she'll come in mm. and you know make a life i remember yeah personal experience i went on a i have told you this before went out on a date with a guy who did have just a mattress on the floor <laughs> that's exactly i was like you walk in and you're like yeah, yeah. Oh, we nice didn't even place. get to that point <laughs> oh, you, you opened a crack oh, we, i was like you opened a crack and you're like i go he was really proud of it and i thought okay he was proud, he of, was it. proud of it and i thought okay. okay this is interesting but it, it is no knock to him but i think it's women are are looking for that integration they're looking for you to for that stability they're looking for you to have a nightstand to, to be a grown-up because that, seg that signals to her that it's not just about your furniture it's about your internal space how our internal space how do and you our take care of yourself and respect yourself i mean are you really getting the best night of sleep on the floor? <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you don't have to have candles and deck it out like an airbnb like an extra toothbrush for me then i then i'm suspicious but you know like have a have a pillow maybe two pillows uh -huh. you know? maybe maybe yeah. a comforter yeah maybe know? a comforter maybe a headboard if we're going real fancy a lamp but Perhaps. I would suggest, yeah, to get to really, if you want that woman, if you, if you're trying to attract a certain type of woman, she is going to be looking for those things and it's not shallow. It's not materialistic. You want to, she wants to see your masculinity. So that's just my two cents. I would invite them to kind of do an assessment of their life externally and internally, because a lot of times that will motivate you from an external point, you know, as far as making your bed, getting good, good and good sheets, getting, getting a housekeeper potentially to get your place. Even I yeah. worked for one session. I worked with a client. We decided to hire a move out or move in service to come and organize all of his stuff. Cause his house was just a mess. You know, I, I saw it in the background of his, of the zoom call, right? Like it was, there was just stuff everywhere. And I thought, you know what, we're going to pause on, talking about our childhood here for a second and we're just going to get your place in order so that you feel more order and then we can start from there so i think that's yeah, i just love that it's it's also like intentionally creating space for a partner in your life i actually have like my roommate right now i live with a couple and he told me that for six months he actually slept on one side of the bed cleared out half his closet left the dresser empty um because he was manifesting room for his like wife essentially to come in and and be part of his life so like being intentional about do i have room and, and you know he, that was like a manifestation technique that he was using but it is very intentional like you know i'm creating this energetic space for someone to come into my life and be part of it and i have it for them already set up you're looking at me like i'm ridiculous no no i'm thinking of all the times i've shared space with my wife for 15 years that makes sense i was thinking that when he does find a partner, when he and he, and he yeah, has, he is, yeah. that 
how easy it's going to be. She's not going to get the elbow in the in the face in the middle of the night, or she's not going to have to fight for sock drawer space. Well, and she comes in and sees, and then he's giving her a key, and like this this was for you, right? And, and she feels so taken care of. Like mm. being masculine isn't necessarily about having all of the materialistic yeah. objects and stuff. It's how much space has he created that he's going to hold for me, and think, right, yeah. and nurture me in his own way. That's fascinating. There's there's a bird in uh, South America that when it wants to mate. It clears a whole area, a whole area, just to show that it is that intent on finding a mate. And the female bird will fly in and look to see if there's any dirt, anything out of place. Is it nicely decorated? After that, they don't care. But how intentional is he in creating space for her? And I think that that's very true in humanity as well. Elise, it has been a pleasure. I've been watching you for a very long time, so it's quite a treat for me to finally meet you in person. You are just as beautiful as you are over over your reels. Um, but I want to give you the opportunity to talk to the men that are watching and tell us tell them one thing that you wish that they knew about your coaching, about being a man, anything you'd like. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, re I really appreciate us connecting in person and having this opportunity and that all the work that you guys are also doing for men. For any men that are watching, I I just genuinely want you to know that someone cares and that there is so much hope in this world. We're not a lost generation. A lot of people love you. A lot of people want to love each other. And I think that together with all the work that we're doing, um, we can bring it back to a unit where men and women are working together and not being enemies. And it starts with you. <laughs> it starts with all of us, right? That's wonderful. Awesome. So. What are some, some products or some things that you would recommend to men who are thinking of starting with you today? Uh, well, if they're watching my content, they want to work with me. I obviously have one-on-one -on -one coaching, but going more towards uh, men's group. I have a men's group called Better Man and uh, we get together every single Sunday. I invite coaches just like Sarah to come in and speak um, and I also have master classes that I give and it's a way to connect also with other men which is very important, very intentional. You heal mother wound, you heal father wound and you actually create um, an ecosystem of men who are making a difference in the world. So Wonderful. if anyone wants to join me with that, um, would love to have you every Sunday. Where can we find you for those things on the socials? Anywhere Elise Michaels can be found at, M-I-C-H-E-A-L-S. Uh, if you type in Elise Michaels, the other one, you might have a different lady. Um, but I'm, I'm on all socials, TikTok, Instagram, website as well. Wonderful. Thank you. So, Amazing. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Sarah Dawn. You can also find me at sarahdawnmore.com. Adam, where can they find you? I am online at adamlanesmith.com. I am Attachment Adam on Instagram and on YouTube. And I'm pretty much everywhere with coaching, with a course, with all kinds of products to help men get better in their relationships. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on I Wish You Knew, and we'll see you on the next one.